Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled to be with you today. I don't know what you've been doing. I have been doing some organization. I seem to be in a perpetual state of organization with a large family. I never seem to be done. And lately, I've been doing some baskets. I did some baskets in a couple of bathrooms, and it's looking really good. But there is an area behind my office that had some storage in it, and I'm trying to utilize that space. So I invested in some of those smaller metal shelves, the kind that come in a box, and I physically can load them, put them together, and set it all up myself. And I bought several. On about the third box, I was putting it together and noticed it was not going so well and I'm looking around. I don't need the instructions anymore because I've done it a couple of times. It wasn't that. The pieces weren't there. The pieces that were supposed to be in the box, they just weren't in the box. So I had to put everything back in the box, return it. You know how that goes. Get a new one. That kind of thing. And you know, those shelves made me think about this overarching idea that I introduced in the last couple of sessions, Unleash Your Brave, because there's so many times that you and I don't know what to do. We're not sure how to find the answers that we need. Looking at scripture can give us all the keys to find the direction that we are looking for. Sometimes the answers, they're just not in the box. The pieces are just not in the box. James is going to help us with that. And if you recall, the first time we looked at this concept, Unleash Your Brave, he throws something very difficult at us where he says in the opening verses, consider it all joy, brothers, when you you meet trials of various kinds. Talk about a difficult challenge right there. Talk about something that doesn't come naturally and calling us to live differently. That's exactly the way James rolls here. So often, you and I are called to live in a way that is not normal. In fact, not only is it not normal, it's not like we're talking about showing up to work in a suit or a nice outfit when it's really jean day and it's casual day and we forgot that would be standing out not something casual like that when we do what James is calling us to do to live differently to exhibit joy in the midst of suffering in the middle of our crisis and our difficulties with relationships whatever it might be people are going to notice not only because it's not normal because it's totally impossible Time and time again, you and I are going to find ourselves in some sort of trial like that, like James calls us to, where we don't have the answers. Again and again, we're going to be dumbfounded by our lack of resources, our need of remedies and solutions. And whatever you and I believe about God and His willingness or His ability to come to our aid and His sovereignty over all things will be tried. It's as if we're being forced to drive on the wrong side of the interstate 
against oncoming traffic. The difference is this oncoming traffic, they're not moving out of the way trying to miss us. They're actually trying to slam into us to destroy us. That is the impact the enemy tries to have on your faith and my faith so that we will quit, so that we'll turn around and just give up and not trust God and be completely demolished in the process. Either way, doesn't matter to the enemy as long as we lose our faith. And James seems to recognize the crucial nature of this because the very next thing he says, which is why I was thinking about it, after he calls us to consider it nothing but joy, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. That is so glorious. What he's recognizing is that we're going to be put in situations more often than not when we're in trouble and when we find ourselves in those kind of situations maybe it's going to be finances maybe it's going to be work maybe it's going to be a combination of both which is something we have been through right now maybe it's going to be relational it could be conflicts that arise and emotions that run amok you know that can happen before you and I can even get a bag of chips open it just happens so suddenly these difficulties come and temptations arise so suddenly even when we have a grounding even when we have conviction that good will prevail. We know these things. The whole of your present circumstances can cause you to become so discombobulated with the present. You don't know what to do. You have no wisdom. There is a difference between sort of a being a hopeless mess, not having any recourse for your life, and just being a hot mess. If you know what I'm saying, James here reminds us which way true north is for our faith. And he calls us to ask God if we need wisdom. When you and I are sort of bombarded with the makings of a hot mess of trouble and you don't know what to do or how to handle the situation, there are some things we can do to make our prayers work. First thing we want to understand is when James is addressing God here, he's literally calling him the giving God. And we see the truth of this in God's character if we will just take a minute to look. Think about Solomon. When Solomon is approached by God, he says, ask me for anything. Well, Solomon does what he should do, and he's thinking about the job before him, and he doesn't have the wisdom for that, and he asks for that. And God, in turn, doesn't just say, okay, you got it. I will give you wisdom. I will make you the wisest man on the planet. He doesn't just do that, but he says, because you asked for that, I'm going to give you the wealth and all of the land. I'm going to give you your enemies. I'm giving you everything. He is a giving God. Think about David. David in 2 Samuel, about chapter 7, he is thinking about how, I mean, here he is sitting in a palace now, and God's, you know, out in the open. And I'm going to summarize it so we're not reading so much scripture. But in about verse 8, Nathan says to David on God's behalf, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you to rule over my Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all of your enemies from before you. And then he says this, because David is concerned about making God's name great, and this is how God responds. Now, I will make your name great, David, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they have a home. And he goes on and on and on through the next few verses, and he basically says, I will do this, and I will do that. I will give you rest from your enemies, and I will raise up an offspring for you 
so that it's never ending before me and that sort of thing. David is just blown away by God's generosity because all he wanted to do was build him a house and here God does this and he's just overwhelmed by this giving God. And then you think about the teaching of Jesus when Jesus is trying to help us understand how God gives and he compares it to a parent and he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, just think about how good God knows how to give gifts to his children. Then you think about Jesus. God gave his only son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the nature. That is the person of our God who is the giving God. That is the one we are to go to when we don't know what to do. It is just amazing what we are allowed to do before him. He is literally the giving God. No, he does not blame or rebuke. Think about the nature of the prodigal son here. When the prodigal son comes to his senses, he's on his way home, he's practiced what he's going to say to become not a son, but a servant because he has used up that card and he's not going to be able to do that. He doesn't believe. The father stands off far. He's looking for the possibility that the son might return. And when he sees him, he runs. The son starts going on with his speech. And the father is like, get the calf, get the coat, get the ring. And he's lavishing him, the son who does not deserve it, with all of these good things. That is who he is. Instead of saying, you know what you did, son? You don't deserve anything. You squandered everything I own and anything I could possibly give you. He's not like us. He doesn't do that. And what does that mean for us? It means that we can't ask too much. We can't go to him too often because of what we've done in the past, maybe. How awful it truly is. Or what we continue to do that we've said we won't do again. Or that he's going to shove our sins in our face to keep us in line. Or to restrict our asking. He's not like us. We are free in his sight and we are free to come before him. If we don't know what to do, he is there to give us what we need. What James does next is not only tell us the character of God and that he is the giving God, he doesn't stand there before us as a human would, rebuking, but he gives He gives liberally to all. There is no exclusion. And then he does some qualifications and this is where we really get to understand what it is that makes prayer work. This is what it says in verses 6 to 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The first thing he calls us to do is pray to God. It sounds so simple. Notice he doesn't say, why don't you go find a John Piper sermon from Desiring God? Listen to a podcast or read a Max Lucado book. Listen to your pastor. Tell a friend. Perseverate with your spouse about it. Feed your unsettled soul with good music. Going to God is not necessarily where you and I lead out on this. We find a book or a blog or a reading plan or a topic. We pray that it will fill us with what we need in our dilemma. We're very spiritual about this. James is telling us, just ask God. That's it. We try to make it so hard and grand and fill up our own standards of what it should look like for God to help us. We're just like Naaman. Remember Naaman? He was leprous and his servant told him about this prophet who could 
heal him and so they work it out so that he meets up the prophet sends word and says you need to go and do this supposed to go to the jordan river and naaman is like are you kidding me that's all he didn't even come out i thought he would wave his hands and do something super fantastic and the jordan river is a terrible river i'm not going to do that and that is so what we do and finally someone close to him says just try it i mean what if it works and he does and he's healed that's what we need to do just go to god and the next thing that causes prayer to work in our lives is what he says but let him ask in faith charles spurgeon says your faith is the target that all the arrows are shot at i am telling you i know that with my hand up my faith is the target that all the arrows of the enemy are shot at on a daily basis some days worse than others you've got to believe and i've got to believe that god is able and ready to meet you, you specifically, in your specific need. Sweetheart, just pray for heaven's sakes. Get on your face and tell God your need. Maybe you're being tempted or you have no idea how to handle the situation or you do not know how to respond to the person that you're in relationship with or you have no idea how to answer in a particular dilemma. Whatever the issue, believe that God is in it for you, for your good, and will deliver you in your situation. Do you remember how Hagar, she was the servant of Sarah that Sarah gave. She gave her servant to Abraham, her husband, so that she could have a child through her. Not a good idea. And when Hagar realized she was pregnant, she began to chastise Sarah and treat her badly. That's not the right thing to do. Now, Sarah turns around and she starts mistreating Hagar, which is not the right thing to do. Two wrongs don't make a right. Well, Hagar runs away. She takes off into the desert and there she's got no hope. She's probably going to die. And she ends up out there by herself, an Egyptian, nothing, out in the desert. And she hears a voice. It says, Hagar, what are you doing out here? And it's the Lord. The Lord comes and finds this runaway servant, nobody, and hears her, listens to her, tells her what to do. And she understands that he is God and he sees her. She's a nobody. She's not even the mother of the son of the promise. She really is not even a key figure in this story. God sees her and he has a plan for her life. He takes care of her and gets her back to safety. We must pray with no doubting. The message here is totally inclusive. You're not the one that is the exception in Holy Scripture. He will hear you. And that is what James is communicating. Ask in faith with no doubting. Another aspect of that that causes our prayers to work is hopeful expectation. If we're going to pray in faith and we're going to have no doubting, there should be some hopeful expectation there. Think about how God gives. He's not looking at the cake, how much he has to give, and cutting the cake into smaller and smaller pieces in order to have enough for all the guests. He is not limited in his resources, but sometimes that's how we feel about it because that's how you and I operate. Chad and I went to New York City for the first time for our 25th anniversary, and we purchased some touring bus tickets so we could sort of get around town efficiently and see all the sights. We got on the bus and we rode out to where you 
could get on a ferry so that we could see the Statue of Liberty. The way that works is you get off the bus and then you go stand in a line to purchase the ticket to get on the ferry to go out to the Statue of Liberty. So it's got a few steps. So we got off the bus, we stood in the line to get the tickets. And as soon as I got up to the front of the line, there was one person in front of me. Agent came to the window, yelled out the front, sorry, we're finished issuing tickets, come back tomorrow. And they closed that gate and we were done standing in the cold. There was a set number of tickets that could be issued and once they're out, they're out. And it doesn't matter where you've come from or how long you've stood there, it's done. How often do we see God as having limits on his resources like maybe we stepped into the prayer line one person too late? The giving God does not operate like the ferry to Lady Liberty. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. It is never ending. It has no limits. And that is how he does it. What about his love? It's unending. What about his compassion? What about his mercy? It's new every morning. His gifts, his help, it's all limitless. Walk away from the line of anticipating disappointment. When have you experienced the immensity of the giving God? Hopeful expectation is the whole theme of the Bible. Not too long ago, I was in sort of a discouraging place and I had been moving there for a long time. Discouragement comes and it had been lingering for a really long time for what I do on a daily basis. Not with my family, not with my marriage, nothing like that, but in what I do, like this kind of thing. I had been pelted with a few darts from the enemy. I had been run over by a few oncoming cars, so to speak. I was indeed what you would call a hot mess in terms of discouragement and wanting to quit. I was near hopeless, but I was most definitely a hot mess. In terms of ministry, I was just beaten down and I felt sort of unnecessary. I mean, anybody can do what I do. Hundreds of people do it every day. So I did not feel like I needed to continue to do anything that I do because I do have a PhD and I can get a real job and earn a real salary. So I just didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell my spouse. I didn't tell anybody for a long time and I just kept going and going and going and I sort of came to critical mass just like I had been doing every day. It's not like I wasn't walking with the Lord and I was reading my Bible and that particular day was the account of this woman who had come crying out to Jesus and she was not an Israelite. She'd come from another area. She was crying out to Jesus in her deep and desperate need because her daughter was dying. Jesus was pretty harsh with her. She kept calling out to him so much so that the disciples were super irritated with her and asked Jesus, can we please make her stop? Because obviously you're not going to help her and she's not one of us. But she persisted. Completely was she unwelcomed. They made her feel that way. But we don't know if it was because of her need or because she believed that Jesus could help her. But she persisted in her asking him. And he answered her with a sorry sweetheart, I just ran out of tickets sort of answer. Scholars believe this was to draw out the woman's faith and to make a point. She finally gets to him and his reply is something like, it's not right to throw the children's bread to their dogs. But this did not deter her. And maybe it was her need. Maybe it was that she had witnessed what he had done in the days before. Maybe she had listened and now she believed he was who he claimed to be. Perhaps it was some combination of all these factors. We don't really know, but her response was absolutely brilliant 
and it was the kind of response that encapsulated all of these things that James is calling us to do. Her prayer worked. It absolutely worked because she says that even the dogs get to lick the crumbs from their master's table. Basically, she's saying, Lord, I'm not asking you to pull a chair out for me. I'm not asking for a plate and a fork. What I'm looking for compared to what you can do and who you are is so inconsequential. But Lord, I need help and I do not know what to do or where else I would go. I know to come to you. And I believe with no doubting that you can do something about it. That, my friend, was all it took. She demonstrated the kind of faith that James is calling us to do with no doubting. And Jesus gave liberally. So I took that nugget that day and I threw it up to the Lord myself. And I basically said, Lord, I'm literally going to quit. No more website. No more speaking. No more writing. I'm, I'm going to go get a job. I'm done. I'm completely done. I need some crumbs. I just am looking for some crumbs. I'm not asking for a a place at the table, but I need some crumbs here to know that you want me to walk this direction because I'm so discouraged. I do not know what to do or where to go. I woke up the next morning to so much encouragement, so many notifications, so much reinforcement to what God had called me to do. And I'm not talking in one element of ministry. I'm talking all over the place. I was just crying my eyes out all day. And then I read my Bible and the very next day was so encouraging and it was so quick. I was just blown away. That's a small example, but I'm telling you, he is a giving God and he will show it to you. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what he's asking from you. I don't know what kind of trouble that you're in and you need wisdom for. There are ways your prayer can work. Please take him at his word. Ask him for what you need. You don't have to feel worthy. It doesn't have to seem earth shattering in the scope of eternity, but it absolutely can be. Your God is limitless. So forget the riffraff discouraging you. Stop listening to your own defeating thought. Don't do it. Make your way to Jesus. Ask him for what you need with no doubting. And he will be faithful to his name. His name is the giving God. So go do it, my friend, and he will be there for you. And I will see you next time. And I can't wait to hear from you what he's doing. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.